listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. Before we get on into it and go over to the newsroom and uh, talk about the pontification and all the other things we're going to be talking about this evening, a little news from the home front. Well, right about now, we are just starting to cool down from our 103 degree high for the day here in beautiful, balmy Texas. So uh, if wherever you were today was not at least 104, you can say, phew, glad I wasn't there. Other than that, things are going well here. My daughter-in-law's little garden uh, is growing 
by leaps and bounds and my son goes out and waters it every day and so we're all looking forward to her triumphant success of having her first garden and first harvest later on this fall and rather ironically right about now as you all are listening to the melodious tones of my voice the republican the first of the republican national debates is firing up uh to be broadcasting live across the television to all homes that for some reason don't get enough comedy uh so uh, you know a little later on, if you feel your blood pressure is a little too low after the show, you can slip on there and catch the highlights of that. Uh, if you enjoy, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I, as a child, I enjoyed watching clowns myself. So that's our news here from the home front. Later on, uh, we're going to have the professor's pontification. And tonight it's going to be a little controversial. Right about now, somebody in the backdrop's going, as opposed to every other week. Well, okay, fair enough. But I uh, hope you'll hang on uh, for that and join us. We're going to go over to the newsroom for the news for this week. And this week, uh, Wink Winkerson and Phil Patchy Fogg are not with us. They are at a radio news broadcaster convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we hope that they uh, enjoy it. Uh, Phil was already uh, complaining to me in email about, quote, Cincinnati chili, and I could have warned him uh, about that. So tonight in the newsroom, we are very pleased and honored to have with us uh, Miss Loretta Evans uh, of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church. And Miss Evans, Miss Loretta Evans, is the uh, official records keeper and secretary of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church there. And uh, I'm not sure how we got her or who she knows in the network, but she's going to be uh, in reading the news for us this week. So without further ado, let's take it across the hall to the newsroom and Miss Loretta Evans. Good evening, y'all. This is Loretta Evans of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church here with the news. Today is Thursday, August 6th, the 218th day of 2015. There are 48 days until autumn begins um, and 147 days left in the year. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to begin a diet to lose weight. I have a friend who could use that. Cut hair to discourage growth. Harvest below ground crops, which would I assume include peanuts. Quit smoking. You really won't do that. It's a terrible habit. Wean animals or children if you have little ones or potty trained children. And we all know how difficult that can be. Today's highlights in history come to us from August 6th. 
1945, during World War II, when the United States dropped an atomic bomb on Hiroshima, Japan, hmm, resulting in an estimated 140,000 deaths. Oh, my Lord. Also on this date, in 1862, the Confederate ironclad CSS Arkansas was scuttled by its crew on the Mississippi River near Baton Rouge, Louisiana to prevent capture by the Union. In 1914, Austria-Hungary declared war against Russia and Serbia uh, and as uh, then declared war against Germany. In 1930, New York State Supreme Court Justice Joseph Force Crater went missing after leaving a Manhattan restaurant. His disappearance remains a mystery to this day. In 1956, the Dumont Television Network went off the air after a decade of operations. And in 1965, our beloved President Lyndon Baines Johnson signed the Voting Rights Act. Today's birthday greetings go out to children's performer Ella Jenkins, who is 91. Actress Louise Sorrell is 75. Actor Michael Anderson Jr. is 72. Actor Dorian Harewood, oh I loved him, is 65. Actress Katherine Hicks is 64. Rock singer Pat McDonald of Timbuk3 is 63. Country musician Mark DeFries of Confederate Railroad, he's good, is 62. Actress Stephanie Kramer, 59. Actress Faith Prince, 58. Rhythm and Blues singer Randy DeBarge, 57. Actor Leland Orser, 55. And movie writer-director M. Night Shyamalan is 45. Oh, his movies are so scary. Our thought from today comes from American actress and comedian Lucille Ball, bless her heart, who was born this day in 1911, died 1989, who said, If you want some fun, ask a busy person to do it. The more things you do, the more you can do. Oh, isn't that nice? This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom. And we now send you back to, is it, hold on a minute, is it Reverend? No, Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers gonna show for you and me. Superstitious Or even makes me suspicious A Table with 13 dishes It will make me Make you bleed Heaven's bleed Hey, that's mommy Yeah? Yeah, man Well, okay Put my trust in group of dust Cause you know some may bring you a seven Or maybe a lucky eleven Oh, that you'll be in heaven Lucky number for me. Yeah. 
Oh, yes, and because someday it may be a rainy day, we're here to help you try to put away a little bit with the lucky numbers. And first, let me take a moment to thank Miss Loretta Evans. You did a great job, darling. First time ever on the radio, I'm told. Uh, also, next week, be sure to tune in because next week we will be answering a question. We will be answering a question that was sent to us by mail specifically about the Nicholas Brothers lyrics. So tune in next week for that. This week's lucky numbers are brought to you from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 9, 11, 16, 28, 31, and 47. Once again, those numbers are 9, 11, 16, 28, 31, and 47. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 348. That's 348. 599. That's 599. And 752. That's 752. The card of this week is the Five of Diamonds, which is a meadow of flowers, rewards from wise choices and abundance. This week, we see the realization and reward for careful and judicious choices. This is a week to cash in on those plans you have carefully laid down, as well as a week to adjust plans so that they will benefit your designs. This is a week to avoid rash actions, sudden decisions, or being miserly. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the professor's pontification, which tonight is going to be... Oh, it's going to be a hot one. We may make some enemies. We'll come back to it in a bit after we take a little visit to a dark lady. Fortune Queen of New Orleans is brushing her cat in her black limousine. On the back seat were scratches from the marks of man her fortune she had won. Couldn't see through the tinted glass. She said, Home James, he hit the gas. I followed her to some darkened room. Took my money, she said, I'll be with you soon. Dark lady laughed and danced and lit the candles one by one. Danced to her gypsy music till the blue was gone. Dark lady played black magic till the clock struck on the twelve. She told me more she dealt two cards, a queen and a three, and mumbled some words that were so 
of course share from 1974 with dark lady and our very first winner of the name it and claim it this evening is our own amazing quick on the fingertips official typist and entryer of all links needed here at the lmc radio network papa newt so congratulations papa newt you got it tonight in the professor's pontification, our topic is going to be intuition smidgen or system. We don't need no stinking system. Tonight we're going to be talking, and it's going to be hot, about divination, which you probably could have guessed because of the song that let us in. And we're going to be talking a little bit about a creeping sort of malaise that has come into divination. When it began, I couldn't tell you. Maybe it's been around as long as there's been divination. But it seems to grow and to pick up speed and force as time goes on and we are now at a moment in history where it has started in some circles to become more of the norm than the exception and it is this it is the idea presented by some people that the system of divination and the quote unquote tools of divination 
And I'm going to sound for a moment like Miss Catherine Ironwood on the uh, Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour. The very term tools is often used uh, in a sort of negative look down the nose kind of manner. That these things are not necessary. That they are mere trappings. And that in fact sometimes they can even become distractions. And that it is only the gift or the intuition or the impulse or the energy, if you will, that the reader experiences necessary. Now, before we get too much further into that, let me say something so that I'm not mistaken here. People don't get the wrong impression about what I am saying. Am I going to suggest here that intuitive reading or that intuitional insight is all hokum? Am I going to stand up here and say that it's 10 pounds of hogwash in a five pound bag? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that intuitive reading, intuitive impression, and insight is balderdash. What I am saying is that it has become a problem within our community. It's become a problem within the hoodoo community, and it's become a problem within the magical community, and become a problem within the spiritual worker community. Why has it become a problem? It's become a problem because it far too often gets used as a tool of that group of characters that we have talked about here on the Now You Know show before. The rambler, the gambler, the joker, the thief, and all the rest. It has also become part and parcel of the lazy worker. And it is sometimes, perhaps, the worst sort of symptom of that ever-present disease, personal gnosis. Now, what does all that mean? That's a lot of interesting words all strung together. And as the quote goes, I know what all those words mean, but not necessarily in that order. What it means is that we have people who have started get away from putting the time and effort and dedication and learning and experience into acquiring a system of divination and instead have supplanted it with pure impulse, pure intuition. Now, again, am I saying that intuition is never a part of divination? Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. Of course it is. But it flowers. It flowers under the understanding of a system. Once you have gathered a system to you, and once you have learned it, once you have gained mastery of it, 
then intuition and intuitive impulse and intuitive message becomes a gift, becomes a potent Johnny, just plug it in there. Plug, that's it. That, okay, is the light's on? All right, the light's on. All right. Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Professor Porterfield back with you live. Um, I have no idea what just happened there. Uh, Blog Talk killed all of our feed and uh, was unable to... Uh, log back in to blog talk appropriately or call in busy number etc but through the magic of technology you now have me back unfortunately uh, probably the sound quality is not up to normal par and we apologize for that uh, as always live radio ladies and gentlemen uh, hope you uh, enjoy the experience of being there uh, while we are in the very midst of wrangling out uh, the uh, various changes that happen. So, uh, as uh, as my good friend, Miss Catherine Ironwood says, amateur night in Dixie, folks. So, <clears throat> back to the pontification. If you all happen to remember where we were, turn along on the film strip at the beep. <clears throat> As I was speaking, I was saying that this this system of favoring intuition over system, or believing that intuition is all that is needed and that one need not sit down and go through the task of actually learning uh, a system of divination and dedicating oneself to it, has become prevalent uh, in our community and in the magical community in general for quite some time now. And this is very, very problematic for a number of reasons. So let's try to start off with some of the more severe reasons and then go to some of the lesser reasons. One of the reasons that this is so very problematic is that, first of all, you're no longer exactly doing divination. You're engaging in your own connection to whatever source. And that means that there is no way for the individual who is receiving the benefits of your talent to have any sort of verifiable condition upon it. What do I mean by that? I mean that 
if you're just using these quote-unquote potatoes to spur your own intuition on, and, oh, the tower can mean anything. The tower can mean anything. It can just mean anything. It can mean destruction. But my sense of things tells me today that the tower here in your spread actually means wonderful things are going to come to you. And the birth of the child, an increased and wonderful in prosperity. Well, first of all, why the hell did we need these cards? All right? Second of all, it means that I have nothing to go back to later. Okay? The tower was in my reading, but you told me it meant a birth of a child, prosperity, happiness, and joy. Now that starts to fly in the face of me when I go to every other reader or every other source or every other book and look at it, and it says, oh, no, man, the tower don't mean any of that. The tower means this and that, and here are the things, and here's a deeper understanding of it, and here's, what it, here's how it relates to Kabbalistic thought, and here's how it relates to this imagery, and here's how it relates to medieval passion play, etc., 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 suddenly that's all been thrown right the hell out the window. And that means that the reader can present, not always, I'm not saying every reader that, that engages intuition does this, I'm talking about the worst right now. That means that the reader can essentially run a con down on the person they're reading for. They can just tell them what they want to hear. They can tell them what's profitable to the reader. They can tell them something that's manipulative. They can now use any system of divination to present the message they want to present rather than the message that might have been meant to be sent. And that's where we start getting into the things, like we talked about a week before last, with this whole thing about, oh, these dark spirits are laying on your money, and you need to do whatever. Because the person that is being read for, the querent, has no means of analyzing the reading beyond the reader. In other words, the person who's being read for can't then take the cards in, let us say, a tarot spread and go and look at those cards and reaffirm what their meaning is. So in other words, this is like if someone sent a letter in Spanish to you, you don't speak Spanish, so you took it to someone else to translate it, and they, rather than translating it from Spanish to English, just sort of looked at the paper and just made up whatever message came into their head. You know? So that is the absolute worst part of it, where it's actually duplicitous, where it's actually a reader using this so-called system of intuition to mask or to screen a, a negative purpose, which is often to take advantage of the person who's come for a reader for a reading and to cheat them out of money or do whatever. And that's the hype, okay? That's kind of way up here, the top of the iceberg. That's the really bad part right here. However, 
then there are a lot of other things that come under that that aren't quite as wicked, that aren't quite as duplicitous. And this falls into things like, well, now the individual that you're getting the reader from, you have to say, why are you even using the tools? Why aren't you merely presenting yourself as a psychic reader and I come in to be read from you and you just read whatever it comes off of me, whether you want to call that vibration or my aura or the spirits that are in the room that I can't see or hear, but you can, etc., etc., etc. Why are we actually even using these set of tools? There becomes a loggerhead here at some point between the system of divination and the intuition of the reader. And as I mentioned earlier, this also can have ramifications into lazy reading or, or lazy practice, okay? It becomes, it can become like, almost like training wheels or a crutch. And then sometimes that itself can then go into duplicitous action. We see that a lot when people start banding around one particular term or one particular source, and everything is applicable to it. That is the answer to everything, all right? We've seen this in recent years, uh, particularly with the word ancestors. Now, again, am I saying that there is no ancestral connection? Am I saying you shouldn't connect with your ancestors? You shouldn't have an ancestor altar? Ancestors do not speak to people? No, I'm not saying any of that. In fact, I'm quite to the negative. But I am saying that when things become a ready word, all right, when things become a crutch term, throw it out, and everything is answered by that. It's always the ancestors. It's always the Bible. It's always whatever. Fill in your favorite blank. Then that just becomes like a broken record. Okay? It just goes on and on and on and on and on. That's the only thing you're going to hear from that record. That's the only path and that's the only answer. Now, this can go even further, this, this intuitiveness can go even further in that then sometimes you have individuals who will actually create a system of divination to fit their ready answers, all right? Now, I'm not talking about people who, in honesty, create a system of divination that we may not have seen before or that may relate to a, a previous or, or older system of divination, or people that find a new insight into an already established form of divination. That's not what I'm talking about. Those are all beneficial things. They help freshen the pot. They keep things vital and living and ongoing. I'm talking about the actual action of creating a system of divination that gives you the kind of answers that you were going to already give without the system to begin with, okay? This is now starting to border on a con, okay? Because what has happened here 
is that you have now created the verifiable system to aid the message that you were always going to give anyway. The system's a hoax, okay? It's a, it's a sham. Intuition, when it is used appropriately, helps benefit and deepen the already existing practice. There is a lot to be said for appropriate use of intuition. There is a lot to be said for knowing when to walk off the path, for knowing when to break the rules, for knowing when to listen to whatever the source of that intuition is, one's self, one's soul, a higher power, ancestral spirit, a helping spirit, common sense that's niggling away at the back of your brain, whatever. There's something very potent and very positive about knowing when to follow that and knowing when to say, I know that this card normally restricts itself into this interpretation, but here I have a strong sense that there's something else. I know that normally I would always burn this candle this way, but this time I have a strong sense that I need to make an alteration. I know that almost no one uses this particular herb or this particular root or this particular mineral or zoological curio in this way, but I have a strong lead to attempt this. And the place for that to be done for a professional worker is in one's private working. All right? We shouldn't be going out afield to do work for others in an experimental way unless we're letting people know that. People are not coming to us with their hard-earned money and their very sincere worries, concerns, and problems for us to play Mr. Wizard around it, okay? This is not the time and place to start playing at, to start uh, uh, trying to be investigative of, of our own practice, of trying to be experimental or revolutionary suddenly on somebody else's dime. There will obviously occur moments when that force of intuition, whatever again it is, one's daemon, God, oneself, one's spirits, one's ancestors, uh, messages that have come in a dream that one did not know related to the situation until that moment, need to be listened to. We do need to listen to ourselves and our own sense. But when we give up everything else for it, then you have to ask yourself why you're not just sitting cross-legged on top of a pyramid in Mexico contemplating the burning eye of all wisdom. You have to know when and where and how to use intuition, just like you have to know when and where and how to use any of the tools in your well-heeled book. You have to know this is a place for a candle, this is a place for a lamp, this is a place for John the Conqueror, this is a place for Queen Elizabeth. This is a place for a card reading. 
this is a place for something else. Here we need a spiritual bath. Here we need protective talismanic objects. Here I need to be using intuition. Here I need to be sticking to strict interpretation. You have to be able to know how to move from foot to foot and from place to place to, A, accomplish your work in the best manner possible, but also to provide for your client, whoever it is, a friend, a neighbor, a family member, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be out there being a big professional worker with your shingle out to provide for them the best work that you can provide for them as well. But far too often what we see nowadays is a free and easy sort of attitude about intuition. It becomes an excuse, an excuse to not study, an excuse to not work, an excuse to not have to deal with others, an excuse to not to have to engage in tutelage under anyone else, an excuse to say what you want to say rather than what's being said, an aggrandizement of ego, an aggrandizement of the self. And these become terrible pitfalls as well as the ever-present worrisome pit of possible collusion, of possible disingenuous activity, whereby one uses intuitive or unseen or mysterious source to gain what one wants, or to use the placeholder way out of things. This does not end up being solely framed by, quote, intuition. People will also use spiritual contact in this manner. My spirits tell me. My ancestors told me. To quote Candelo Cambisa from this week's Candelo's Corner, it has become a trend now that in the old days, so people would say, the devil made me do it. But nowadays, people say, my ancestors made me do it. And that blasé, casual, unseen entrance, that easy, ready excuse, is terribly, terribly problematic because it requires nothing. No proof, no evidence, no explanation. You know, how do I want to put this? Having your spirits tell you things means never having to say you're sorry. And it therefore becomes a part of the repertoire of dangerous and disturbing individuals. It becomes akin to the abuser saying, you made me do it. I didn't want to hit you, but you made me hit you. And most importantly, and something for each of us to consider, is it frames the worker as being a disempowered individual not an empowered individual. I didn't want to do that, but my spirits told me to. My ancestors told me to. God told me to. Oh, heavens, how many wars and battles and murders have we had 
because God told somebody to do something. You see, the individual has made themselves bereft of responsibility. It's not my fault. I'm not the problem. I didn't do the thing because I'm a bad person or a lazy person or whatever. I did it because God told me. The spirits told me. My ancestors told me. Except you do not see them have the conversation. You don't see someone enter a possessory state. There's ritual, pomp, and circumstance about it, a formulaic method, a taught and initiatic path by which one enters into a place whereby one hopes to commune with spirit, with ancestor, with deity, and then comes back exhausted or empowered or whatever with these treasures, these jewels from the other side to share with you. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about casual off-the-cuff. I'm sorry, I can't come and help you go to the grocery store because my spirits told me not to. Not, I'm sorry, I can't go out of the house today because it's a very bad day for me because there's a spiritual thing going on and I've been warned. Not, no, I just can't do. Or I must do. Or I'm allowed to do. Or I can disrupt the normal course of affairs. Or I must be given more potency, more respect, more money. <laughs> because the spirits have told me. The ancestors have told me. God has told me. These are the actions more akin to a cult leader rather than a legitimate worker. Would you take this off of anyone else? If you had a plumber and he was working under your sink and he said, well, I'd love to finish the job today, but uh, Ambrose tells me not to finish the job today. Who's Ambrose? Oh, you can't see Ambrose, but he works at our plumbing factory and he and I are in constant communication and I know in my heart that Ambrose has told me to not finish your U-joint today. So I'll be back tomorrow, and of course it's going to cost you extra or whatever. You'd say, get the hell out of here. What are you talking about? You're supposed to finish fix my sink. No, no, I can't finish fixing your sink. Ambrose, who I'm in constant communication with, has told me not to fix your sink. We wouldn't take it. And yet, in our vast community, I mean vast, vast community, there are individuals who say things like that they cannot uphold their responsibilities that they have promised to uphold. They can't keep their oaths that they have sworn to hold. They can't continue to participate in activities that they have given their word they will participate in. They can't keep the price that they have publicized on their web page or that they quoted you when you came in the door because their spirit, their ancestors, God has told them otherwise. These are the actions of a sociopath. These are the actions of a predator. All right? 
And you must be aware of this. So this is another place that intuition can go too badly. And I'm not trying to give intuition a bad name. It has a very positive name in my book. I myself have been led to deeper and intuitive understanding of things. Once I was established in its use, you cannot break the rules until you know the rules. You cannot have innovation until first you have learned the craft. And quite often, intuition and innovation go hand in hand in an appropriate and positive manner. So you have to rein this in a little, not let this become the lead horse in the train. Otherwise, there's no point to a deeper understanding. And you become an enemy. You become an enemy of the learning, the work, and the craft that you have sought to participate in and to be a representative of. If, as an example, hoodoo just all becomes intuition, well, then why need any of us speak to our elders? Why need any of us go and talk to those old folks about what it is to do genuine, good, old-fashioned root work and hoodoo? Why do any of us need to study tarot, playing cards, candle divination, throwing the bone, you name it? Why? It's all just intuition. And this spreads further. This spreads into even a way of thinking that will end up at its end day with a classic problem addressed by my friend, my elder, and my teacher, Catherine Ironwood, which is brown for brown and green for green. Any brown root can be any use for any other brown root, any green herb can be used for any other green herb. You can just substitute them in, right? Cedar chips can be John the Conqueror. Oregano can be anything. Five finger grass, althea, you name it. Because that's the sort of dropping away of knowledge, orthodoxy, but knowledge that this can lead you to. It's all free and easy. It's all intuition. And it's all mix and match. It's as you please. All schools of thought, all schools of thought are but a movable feast. And that takes us back to our old friend, the Joker, okay, and the thief. I can do whatever I want with any of this however I want, because my heart led me there. My spirit led me there. The spirits led me there. My ancestors led me there. God led me there. And so then you have to be able to engage in a kind of mental game where you no longer ask yourself, probing question. For example, 
if your spirit, your internal spirit, your soul, the spirits, particularly the spirits, the spirits, the ancestors, the God, led you to do this thing or make this interpretation that's never been made before, that's never been used before, why now? Why here? Tens, dozens, hundreds of generations, you're the first person to ever receive this particular information. Why? And what are the ramifications of that? So you see, just as this acts as a disempowerment of responsibility, it also acts as an empowerment of the individual. I am especially chosen by God, by the spirits, by the ancestors, or by my own inner gnosis to change this. And again, that is the hallmark of the cult view. Now, it is true, it has been said, and it is true that sometimes cult is just what the big religion calls the little religion. So I don't mean in this that. I mean a controlling system with a single head tells you all what to do through fear, manipulation, aggrandizement, personal empowerment, as well as disempowerment of the individuals in the group. I know many, a Baptist church, that would probably qualify, therefore, as a damn cult. and should probably be called out of. This is not just about the small group. This is not just about the, the fringe individual. This sort of thing can be done anywhere. How often have we sat in a church and heard a pastor stand up and interpret a piece of scripture in a way that it has never been interpreted before, that doesn't fit the entire contextual meaning of that piece of scripture, because last night, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost came to me and gave me this special insight. Oh, how lucky we are. Just you, just now, just here. Would have thought he would have made it clearer up to this point. But, eh, okay. I am the only one that knows the truth. I am the only one that knows what needs to be done. We see this in politics, we see this within our social world, we see this in entertainment, we see this in religion. And at the end of the day, am I saying that everyone who engages in intuitive or psychic reading is like this? No, no, no! I am not saying that. I am saying that this is how a well tended fire aids you. But if you let it get out of control, it can burn the whole damn forest down. Intuition, psychicism, internal knowledge, or unseen communication, ancestors, deity, has its place. It has its appropriate place as yet another of the plethora of tools in our work. But when you let that 
tool, run hog wild, draping ribbon and strings as it goes, sorting and turning and twirling, you very quickly end up being nothing but tangled up in blue. So fine, do the bumps of jam in your prime. Then you, people call, say, Beware, doll, you're bound to fall. You thought they were all I'm kidding you. You used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out.
You all shouldn't have fallen for that so easy. Was, of course, Mr. Bob Dylan with Like a Rolling Stone. See, it's a little, goes back and forth. Yeah. A little cue in, right? Tangled up in blue, like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. Well, anyway. That was, of course, our own dear Bob Dylan, and he was just trying to do what we're all trying to do here which is just send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the Vanguard! The 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Saturdays, noon to 3, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Talhead. That, of course, was Troll Talhead, our chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, bringing you that fabulous rundown of all the shows that we have here. We thank him so very much. Up next, we're going to have a few words uh, here. Now, unfortunately, as I said before, uh, Wink and uh, uh, Patchy are out of the uh, uh, studio this evening at that big news radio news broadcasters convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. And right now, um, Johnny is out in the back, okay? Uh, probably just surrounded by cords. Looks like he's been attacked by a multicolored octopi uh, back there trying to make sure that whatever the hell happened earlier doesn't happen again. Uh, so we are lucky enough she was still here. She hadn't left. She was she was out in the lounge having a crawler and some coffee. And uh, we ran out there during the song, and we asked her if she would be willing to do it. And so she, she so graciously did, and we're so very happy that she did. Thank you so much. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, here to say a few words about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, Miss Loretta Evans from the Quimby First and Second. Take it away, Miss Evans. Oh, thank you for that. I'm so pleased and honored to be allowed to do this. Hello, friends. I'm here, Miss Loretta Evans from the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church, to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of Forestville, California. Oh, Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. Oh, my. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oil, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. Oh, for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft tradition. Oh, isn't that nice? Bless their hearts. Why not come on out and see the store in person at 2 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Or bring your kids to see their train set. Oh, isn't that lovely? They have a little train set, and you can come see it. I'd be nice. Or take a few moments 
in quiet prayer and meditation at the world's smallest church. Oh, well, bless their hearts. Look at that, the world's smallest church there. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and it's right outside the store. And then after you've done that, you can just walk right on into the store and browse the aisles to see the thousands of fascinating different items they have for sale there. Or if you can't get on out there, you can go over and see them on that internet at www.luckymojo.com. Won't you please stop by and tell them that Loretta Evans sent you. Thank you. Back to you, Professor. Thank, thank you, Miss Evans. That's very sweet of you to jump in uh, and help us out while we're having some difficulties here. We sure do appreciate it. Up next, a little segment I like to call... That's right, the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, we're going to be talking about the Garden of Eden. That's right, just as if, well, darling, just as if you were the only girl in the world. Wonderful things to do if you 
Oh, I'm sorry. It's not Bing Crosby. It's not even early Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin or John Scott Trotter Orchestra. It is none other than Dick Hames and the Song Spinners with If You Were the Only Girl in the World from 1949. So there you go. And that leads us into this week's Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, where we're going to be talking about the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is the biblical garden of God described in the book of Genesis, chapters 2 and 3, and also in the book of Ezekiel. The Garden of God, not called Eden, is mentioned in Genesis 14, and the trees of the garden are mentioned in Ezekiel 31. The book of Zechariah and the book of Psalms also refer to trees and water in relation to the temple without explicitly mentioning Eden. The favored breakdown on the word of Eden is that it is a form of the Akkadian Edenu, uh, which comes from the Sumerian word meaning plain or steppe. Eden is, however, now believed to be more closely related to an Aramaic root word meaning fruitful and well-watered. The Hebrew term is translated as pleasure in Sarah's saying in Genesis 18.12. Now, the story of Eden echoes the Mesopotamian myth of a king who was a primordial man who is placed in a divine garden to guard the tree of life. And in the Hebrew Bible, Adam and Eve are depicted as walking around the garden and having dominion over it. Eden and its rivers may signify the real Jerusalem, the Temple of Solomon, or the Promised Land, and it may also represent the divine garden of Zion and the mountain of God, which was also associated to Jerusalem. The Garden of Eden itself is almost like a magical spell or incantation, if you will, in our culture. It has great connotation, imagery, that comes with it. And one immediately has association to this Garden of Eden. In fact, some in Judaism believe that the afterlife will be a return to Gan Eden or will take place in a secondary garden uh, that is the Garden of Eden that exists within heaven. But as always, we say to ourselves here on the Now You Know Show, What does this have to do with Hades? Well, what does this have to do with hoodoo? This has to do with hoodoo in a number of different ways, and I will try to outline them rather quickly, if I may. First of all, in hoodoo, we do have the usage of the doctrine of signatures, that each of the plants placed upon the earth bear on their visible surface a signature of how they are of benefit or to be used by man. And this harkens back 
to the supposed dominion over the earth, the animals, the plants, the beasts, those that flew in the air and crawled on the earth that was given to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So we can see the beginning of the doctrine of signatures there because of this quote-unquote dominion, an often misinterpreted phrase. Many take it to mean absolute rulership to do whatever one may. But when we follow that to this concept of a garden, we see that that dominion is in fact more a stewardship. It is more the dominion that a gardener has as a caregiver, as a tender, as one who is expected to keep things going, keep things in a particular order, to allow there to be fruitful multiplication and to caregive. So this dominion actually is more of a position of one who is a caregiver or a steward over creation, over the earth. And again, this relates, once again, back to our doctrine of signatures. So when we start thinking about our doctrine of signatures, it leads us back to the Garden of Eden. Also within the Garden of Eden, we have, of course, Adam and Eve. and they are used often in hoodoo. We have their use in sachet powders, oils, incenses, and, of course, the use of the Adam and Eve root itself, which, no surprise, we're going to be going into the kitchen and talking about in just a little bit. So here we also have our primordial people our primordial mother, our primordial father, our primordial lovers here in the garden. And that lends itself back to our love work and our invocation of them. Now, in recent years, it has become quite popular to play up a secondary figure in the story, that of Lilith. And to make her out as a positive figure uh, for a feminist movement and female empowerment. And I am not here to question that. I am here instead to bemoan the displacement of Eve, or as she is called in the Hebrew, Hava, that she somehow is now denigrated, placed down. She is not longer the positive female empowering image. No, no. Instead, Lilith, uh, Adam's first wife, is placed as the, or first mate, perhaps is a better word, as the positive image. And I feel that this is absolutely shockingly wrong because Eve has so many positive attributes to her. But as things happen, when people get a hold of the book and use it to their own devices, perhaps because God told them to last night, people change. Figures lose their meaning. 
and culturally and societally, people start to have different attitudes about them. Suddenly, Eve is taken out of her role as progenitive mother, lover, counselor, guide, and helpmate, and she is cast into two roles. Sinner Eve, who lures poor, hapless, witless Adam into sin, and then oppressed, beleaguered, dowdy little housewife Eve under the rule of Adam, who obviously does all these terrible things because, well, he's kind of a witless individual. And so we end up with this image. So now we must get away from Eve and lift someone else up. I say instead, no. Let us not get rid of Eve. Let us go back to Eve and let us lift her back up into a very positive position because she never lost that position in hoodoo. She is still primordial woman, first woman, first mother, first lover. And we see that power in her in hoodoo as well as Adam being primordial man, first father, first lover as well. Often you will even see figural candles, male and female naked figural candles, described as Adam and Eve candles. And this all again comes back to the garden. In the garden, we have four rivers running out of the garden. And we have the accumulation, this idea that the accumulation of waters from separate sources can be a holy thing, as well as this beneficial, peaceful perfection that is supposedly the garden. And there are many callbacks to this in petition papers and in prayer and in use in hoodoo. Let their house be as the Garden of Eden. Let them have peace as if they were in the Garden of Eden. Let my crops be fruitful as the Garden of Eden. And so the Garden of Eden is a place that is centric in the beginning of the Bible. Here we have it in Genesis 2. We have it right at the front of the book. And we know that the Bible is deeply used in Hoodoo and Conjure here. And we cannot now separate out the garden. So I encourage you this week to go out and read up more about the Garden of Eden, not only in your Bible, but also read about how it relates to Mesopotamian myth and Sumerian thought and see that there is this almost universal idea in this cultural region of this idyllic, primordial garden, and consider how you can put that to use in your work. As always, each and every week, our information comes to us for this segment, not only from our own knowledge, but from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, by Miss Mikhail and myself, and we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show. Up next, we're going to be going into the kitchen, where we'll be talking about Adam and Eve fruit. There was a story I'm 
sure you all know I'm sure you remember And I know you believe The story of Adam and Eve In the Garden of Eden Where life began Just the very beginning Of woman and man I'm sure you remember And I know you believe The story of Adam and Eve There within the garden walls They both fell in love Sheltered by the guiding hand Of the one above Life was filled with happiness Until one day arose A very great temptation For you know how it goes In the garden of Eden A long time ago Oh, so sorry. We have no winner on that. That was Mr. Ruffled Sleeves himself. Paul Anka, that's right, for vegetables, Paul Anka with Adam and Eve. Oh, yes. And that leads us into our In the Kitchen section this evening when we're going to be talking about Adam and Eve Root. Adam and Eve Root, also known as Eve and Adam Root, Putty Root Orchid, Salop Root, or Salop Root, is a name given to many orchids that grow from a pair of co-joined tuberous roots, primarily in the United States. It is the uh, usual species found for this, and the twin roots are an Adam, or he root, and an Eve, or she root. And we see its use in Hoodoo and Conjure quite a bit. And I will give you a few of those uses. Adam and Eve root can be used in a, excuse me, in a woman's bosom sachet to increase love. To do this, you place one Adam root and one Eve root, a pair of lodestone grits, dressed with magnetic sand, and a matched pair of blood root chips, a he, which would be brown, and a she, which would be pink or pinkish, all together in a red flannel bag. You write your lover's name on paper in red ink, cross your name over it, and add that to the bag. You feed this hand by sprinkling a pinch of attraction powder and a pinch of love me powder 
into it every morning. Because the items are small, the bag can be worn in a woman's brassiere, allowing the powders to sift through the cloth slowly to act as a perfume. Hence, this type of conjure bag used to be called a bosom sachet. It can also be used, Adam and Eve wrote, as a woman's charm to attract the love of a man. To do this, you would dress Adam and Eve roots with Adam and Eve oil, place them again in a red flannel bag, anointed with attraction oil or come-to-me oil, and wear a little Adam and Eve every day. This will draw a lover to you. If you know the one you want to draw, well, then you write a name paper in red ink on parchment, adding his birthday if possible. Anoint the paper with your own urine and place the parchment in the bag along with the roots. You can also use Adam and Eve roots to bring your love to you. To start this job, at the first, you should, I should, excuse me, I say you should start this job at the first sliver of the new moon by placing a pair of Adam and Eve roots on a mirror about seven inches apart. Dress them with Adam and Eve oil and love me powder and each night move the roots a little closer together. They should end up touching on the night of the full moon. Your lover will come to you soon after that. Now, this is primarily a heterosexual love spell, but it is similar to a lodestone love drawing ritual, which can be done by men or women and is also good for drawing homosexual love. Adam and Eve root can also be used to keep love long and strong. To do this, again, take a pair of Adam and Eve root, dress them with stay with me oil, and place each in a red flannel bag. Add a piece of lodestone grit dressed with magnetic sand to each bag, plus a small high John the Conqueror root for the he bag and a small Queen Elizabeth root for the she bag. The man carries the Eve bag and the woman carries the Adam bag whenever they are apart. Now let me say that to you again. The man carries the Eve bag. The woman carries the Adam bag whenever they are apart, and this will keep their love long and strong. When they are together in the same house, the two bags can be tied together and kept under the bed. If you can't get Adam and Eve root, this same charm can be worked with two balm of Gilead buds, two coon roots, and two name papers, although it will not be as powerful. And of this particular trick, I must say that this also relates back to the mitzvah charm, which is a coin-like disc that has an inscription upon it from the Bible that has then been cleft into two pieces, often in a zigzag-type manner, and that the husband wears one and that the wife wears the other, or one lover wears one and one lover wears the other. You can also read about that in Hoodoo Bible Magic. Finally, Adam and Eve roots can be used as a woman's charm to get a proposal of marriage. To do this, 
place a pair of Adam and Eve Ruth, again in a red flannel bag, dressed with love-me oil, and tuck it into your lover's pocket on the night of the full moon. He will propose marriage to you within two weeks. Depending on how well you and he agree on the subject of matrimony, you may do this with his knowledge or when he is not looking. So those are a few of the wonderful uses for an Adam and Eve root, and they and the In the Kitchen section come to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but from Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, a Materia Magic of African American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood. And we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks, we went a little over because of the technical difficulties. Thank you all so much for staying with us. We appreciate you each and every one. And also, special thanks must go out to this week to Miss Loretta Evans of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Johnny just tripped over something. I actually heard him fall. He's okay. He's okay, but he tripped over something, and a bunch of wires just fell down again. So we're back. So once again, we were saying thank you for uh, Miss Loretta Evans of the Quimby First and Second Baptist Church for stepping in and helping us out. Johnny's fine. All is okay here. Thank you all so much for tuning in and staying with us, even throughout the difficulties this evening. I would love to sit and stay here for a while and talk to you more about Adam and Eve. That could go on and on. There's so many other things that can be done with it. And to talk a little bit more about the appropriate uses of intuition, it is such an important tool, but it must be disciplined and kept in check. But I can't. I mean... I just can't stay any longer. I mean, everything's going crazy. And Johnny just took over wires. And Miss Loretta Evans out and eating all the crawlers. And this is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texarkana and jump back to Broadway. Come on down to Dallas, Tink, call the kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way, but I'm doing well.
of Hacking Reacts. This has been a production of the LNC Radio Network. Oh, well, bless their heart.